3CR Breakfast. Alternative news, analysis and current affairs. Monday to Friday, 7am to 8.30am. We would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people and Bunurong people of the Kulin Nation who are the traditional owners and custodians of this land upon which we live and work. Sovereignty was never ceded and we'd like to pay respect to the elders both past and present of the Kulin Nation. 3CR would like to acknowledge the true owners, caretakers and custodians of the land from which we broadcast. Welcome to Breakfast on 3CR. Good morning, Layla. Hello, hello, good morning. Sorry about that, I had you on the wrong mic there. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Uh, beginnings for us all this morning. Here you are, panelling, leading, and here I am talking. This is very exciting. <laughs> no, yeah, it is, it is. We'd like to say good morning to uh, Will and Idawin. Hopefully they uh, get better. We're going to attempt to do Idawin's uh, Songs of Satire justice this morning. <laughs> Not with so much gusto, but we'll have a crack at it. Um, and that will be at around 7.20. We'll, so we'll have alternative news in about three minutes or so. Uh, and then at 7.35, we've got uh, Lauren from uh, Memo Leaves, which is a campaign uh, for an increase in the bereavement leave required under the National Employment Standards. And there's a push to have additional bereavement added on. So they'll be coming into the studio at 7.35. And then at 8, we'll have yesterday's news, which is a new segment. Uh, the Saudi Arabian women still in prison for protesting their right to drive. At 8.10, we've got the CEO of FECA, Dr Emma Campbell, so the Federation of Ethnic Communities Council of Australia. We had the uh, uh, ECCV, the Ethnic Communities Council of Victoria, on last week. Mm-hmm. And what they're talking about is they've welcomed the decision to strengthen uh, the security of personal me- medical records in the My Health Record System. Okay, so it'll be quite interesting to hear that. Mm-hmm. And then at eight sixteen, emergence. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was a bit lost this morning. I'm like, oh, but uh, I'm sure we'll, when we get there, it will be um, absolutely ride the wave. For sure, for sure. So what we might do is um, quickly go to a few community announcements and come back with alternative news. Perfect. In 2016, 3CR published a book to celebrate the station's 40th birthday. Years in the making, Radical Radio, celebrating 40 years of 3CR, is a visually stunning account of the people and ideas that make up this dynamic station. At 300 pages, the book includes hundreds of images and over 50 features on programs, people, music and technology from across the decades. 3CR's Radical Radio book is now on sale for just $30. You can get your copy of 3CR's book at the station during business hours at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy. Or online at 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Get a piece of your own history. On sale for just $30. 3CR's Radical Radio is available now. I am Gabriel Gatte. 3CR is like a souffle, a challenge to make, but it can just go higher and higher and higher. Support 3CR.
Okay, guys. Um, so we are currently undergoing like an intense wave of fascism, like resurgence all across the world at the moment. And it's something that's really concerning me because I feel like not enough people are kind of bringing the ties together to be able to see just how much of a threat it is to our communities. Um, so I'm sure that most people are aware of um, the United Patriots Front, which is kind of like a, a far-right extremist um, like group that like to perpetuate... Maybe characterised by dictatorial power of some kind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, well, the leader of that actually um, was on Sky News um, over the last week. So um, that's pretty concerning that he was able to um, he, he he was provided a space to mm. be able to espouse his kind of hatred um, perspective, and like also legitimizing his perspective by introducing him into the uh, mainstream media. It's saying that um, that they accept this point of view. Mm. Um, which is I- incredibly dangerous. Um, we've also seen in the last week um, this far-right um, activist that came to Australia, and she kind of wasn't welcome here in Melbourne. She made some comment um, about um, how we should nuke Melbourne. Uh, now, this, the wording there is specifically is is horrendous. Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah, that's pretty bad. Uh, uh, unbelievable. Um, and, and the Australian actually reported it as a cheeky comment. Now, this, this for me is where the real danger of fascism lies. It's because it's so intertwined with kind of our white supremacist history mm. that um, even the mainstream media are, are able to kind of um, laugh it off as part of like this kind of hist- within our historical context, um, as if it's uh, something that won't actually happen and that's, yeah. um, it's not a real threat because they're white. Hmm. Whereas if that point of view was perpetuated by someone of um, a different kind of ethnicity, the, imagine the pushback. Imagine hmm. the like the we, outrage. Uh, the outrage yeah. and the amount of like anti-terrorism laws that we're pushing through the parliament to be able to kind of, um, you know, for national security's sake. It's an absolute um, joke that uh, individuals like that are able to say what they say and, and, and not be reprimanded for it. Especially with, um, you know, what you've seen happen. I, I believe that, you know, for a long time last year or two years ago before Trump got elected, nobody thought he would win, you know, but once you get out of the mainstream sort of um, metro- metropolis, I guess, like New York or, you know, all the big cities and you go to the rural areas, they sort of get all of their news from Fox News, mm-hmm. you know, like most of them don't even have the internet and that's Fox News is, is God, so... It's, it doesn't surprise me that somebody like Trump won, mm-hmm. you know. Exactly. Yeah. It's so easy for us to get lost in little, like, cognitive biases, where especially with um, all of the information that we're getting from social media, it's feeding into our already kind of, like, chosen pattern of thought. Yeah. So we're yeah. not actually extending out, out from that. Um, now, also this week there was a, um, a, a socialist book um, bookstore in the UK in London that was burnt down. And the thing that concerns me is that how far from making, like, passing comments, um, like, passing racist comments, mm. do we have to go to a point where someone's actually going to try and um, kind of silence the thoughts of the left yeah. to such extreme degrees? 
Um, and and for me, it's only going to be like mounting austerity and mounting crisis that's going to feed into this kind of fascist mm. monster. And that's why we have so many of these like um, the, these nationalist parties that are coming with um, from a uh, from a point of hate and division all across Europe, all through the U.S. And here in Australia, I feel like we're only like a recession away from that possibly being a point of view that's going to be carried into our communities intensely. Yeah, because I guess um, they start off with a shared value. You know, and people will always share something. So if it's about the rich getting richer, that might be a way for people to sort of start believing a movement that yeah. might be sort of on a, maybe a, a neo-fascist or post-fascist yeah. view. You yeah. Know? And all of a sudden you've got this movement of people who are all believing in an ideology that they didn't when they started. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It all comes from like really genuine concerns. Like where everybody's concerned about um, the the current state of the world, and it's just unfortunately they've just this this disillusionment's been co-opted for a cause um, that perpetuates the the current power stru- structures rather than like pulls it down. Yeah. Yeah. And when can people find out a little bit more about the, um, I guess the, the the rising tide of fascism? Did you find an article somewhere that you'd read of? Yeah, there's this absolutely amazing website. It's called Crime Think. So Crime Think without the K. So C R I M E. T-H-I-N-C dot com. Um, they've done a serious, serious, serious um, analysis of the entire like ideology and frame of modern fascism because it's um, all well and good for us to use the describing word that was used during Mussolini's time, but it's adapted and it's evolved this kind of fascism to more kind of 4chan, Reddit-esque, like uh, troll Mm. mentality to to keep it up with um modern pop culture yeah. Yeah. so um that's again why it's so dangerous because it can be um communicated cross generations and fast <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> really fast um <laughs> and you know tying in with that in our alternative news segment is the i guess the, the refugee treatment of australia versus that of the u.s mm-hmm. that um uh, you know i guess Idawan was going to to uh, highlight, you know, it was pointed out that the difference between the U.S.'s process of as- <clears throat> sorry asylum seekers, you know, with the shocking images of children locked in cages, um, is that the difference between that and Australia's operations of sovereign borders is that in America, the media seemed to be allowed to report on mm, it. Yeah. You know, whereas yeah. um, it, it, you just mentioned before that the leader of this party has gotten all this airtime, but when you have people in prisons in you know mm-hmm. in Manus or Nauru not being able to get airtime and the only sort of airtime that they get is through videos that have been smuggled out by mm-hmm. you know refugee advocates it's yeah it's quite interesting isn't it that you can have somebody get that airtime mm-hmm. with those views but then people who are seeking help and would need to sort of get out their point of view mm-hmm. are being suppressed yeah, you're so spot on there. Like, they, they're just so obviously shaping the narrative. Like, you can humanize this white um, neo-Nazi supremacist and feel sorry for him because he's had all this backlash from social media. But you, we can't actually see the conditions that we're keeping human beings in. Mm. It's, mm. Uh, uh, yeah, pretty unbelievable. It's, it's, it's very Orwellian. And we know, I think in Queensland, the coroner had found that one of the asylum seekers there died from a leg infection that was preventable. Um, and this is, I guess, a small snapshot into the treatment of our refugees. Yeah. So I guess whilst we're here 
acting really shocked about what the US is doing, yeah. um, we should be holding the government, I guess, more accountable and transparent for what is happening here. Absolutely. You know? And the thing, um, again, so this all comes under the banner of ICE. Um, and there's been so many blockades all across the country that I feel like have not been given any kind of spotlight. But there's really, really brave individuals that are putting their bodies on the line, trying to stop um, anybody coming into these detention centres, anybody going out of these detention centres and trying to bring literally the system to a halt mm. um, uh, using the only thing that they have. And there's been encampments um, across Portland um, I'm def- and uh, D.C. as well, so in Washington. That um, So people have actually created spaces outside the front of these detention centres to make them aware that, you know, they're not alone in their suffering. Um, and so solidarity to all of um, those people that are putting themselves out there like that. Really, really appreciate it. And I guess our main issue is that, um, you know, the responsibility of the media here to report what is happening um, is, yeah, it, it seems to be lacking mm. because things are happening right under our nose. Yeah. Now, if you live in Melbourne and you don't sort of listen to alternative news stations or community radio stations like us, you might see a rally in Spring Street for refugee rights. And if you've got no leaning one way or the other, you would walk straight past it sure. and wouldn't understand what all the fuss was about. Mm. You know, yeah, mm. it's quite interesting because it's not on Fox, on CNN News or on sure. on, the, on the big um, news stories. But did you have any other alternative news in there? No, I, I just wanted to. Cover? follow on from you and just like do a shout out to 3CR for providing this space and and creating this environment where we can talk about these issues in such open way and like obviously today's my first breakfast and I just really 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 appreciate the um, opportunity to be able to have a mic. <laughs> Welcome yeah fight, fight, fight for your mic yeah. was um, the radiothon so yeah. you know you can always call in the station at 94198377 and um, make a donation and you can listen to 3CR digital or go to 3cr.org.au to listen to any of our shows. Um, we'll be back in just a moment. I'll go to a few community announcements. you got to remember, Nanoff's a special day for us, fellas. As a reminder, who we are. Every year for NAIDOC Week, 3CR Community Radio gives voice to our Indigenous brothers and sisters through Beyond the Bars, Australia's only live prison broadcast. I am a black, black man. NAIDOC means a lot to me. It's about identity and also about past and present. NAIDOC means a lot to me for my family and my people. And the people forgetting about our rights. You can access audio from current and past Beyond the Bars broadcasts via the 3CR website. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash beyond the bars and either listen to or download audio from Australia's only live prison broadcasts. Happy Nadoff! The Indigenous Social Justice Association Melbourne is continuing its Stop Failing Our Kids campaign until this year's Victorian state election. We're asking people to sign an online petition and to send postcards to Premier Daniel Andrews, calling for his government to abandon plans to build a $288 million youth prison at Cherry Creek. We want that money directed to culturally appropriate programs to address the underpinning issues rather than incarcerating children. For more information and to sign the petition, visit Istra Melbourne's Facebook page. Postcards are available at 3CR and locations listed at istramelbourne.com. 
Premier, it's time your government stopped failing the kids. Mr. Melbourne is a 3CR supporter. You're on 3CR Breakfast, and most of our regular listeners would know that I was a... uh, a, a co-host of the Thursday Breakfast was the team, but ne- and then they uh, moved me to Wednesday, which I love. But the Thursday Breakfast team are having a cracking, cracking special 3CR Breakfast broadcast this week. Enough is enough is the theme beyond hashtag African gangs. So that's on from 7 o'clock till 8.30 tomorrow. And they're going to present a panel discussion about the everyday impacts of the uh African gangs narrative on community and I guess connecting this to, to bigger issues of systematic racism, anti-blackness, I like that word, and colonisation and focusing on some of the incredible initiatives and stories from the African community here in Nam or, or Melbourne. Uh, and some of the guests will include uh, Maka Mayek, lawyer and co-campaigner behind the original hashtag African Gang social media campaign, Deng Garang, social worker with African young people uh, in Melbourne's West, uh, Mariki Onis, um, who is a Gunjit Mara and Gunai woman and co-founder of the Warriors of the Original Resistance. We've had them on before, war. Um, and Saba Alameo, founder of AfroHub, Areej Nua, who is a radio journalist and co-founder of African Artist Collective Still Nomads. Um, and the panel discussion will also be available, as always, on the podcast after the show at 3cr.org.au forward slash Thursday Breakfast. I think it's going to be a cracking show. Um, and from my point of view, it's it's encouraging and very, very heartening to see um, you know, th- this type of special broadcast and giving people the space we always have, but to have the whole, you know, hour and a half dedicated to the whole issue will be amazing. I apologise for that. Yes, it is. <laughs> this is, is how you fight fascism. Yeah. <laughs> this is how you do it, guys. But now let's get into this week's Song of Satire, their 2010 hit Pumped Up Kicks by the... Foster people. Okay, um, so this is for Eidwin. <laughs> Hope you're listening out there. Um, so the beat begins. Steady backbeat, driven, laid back sound. A California beach grooving, a synth effect. Electric guitar all drive the image of some cool, relaxed pop song. It has you nodding along. I think it's uh, impossible not to. However, we also have a darker, more malicious tone. That's the synth, manipulated to sound like a vertigo trip from around the 23 to 26 second mark just there. And the bass. Doom, 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 doom. Sorry, I got it so wrong. <laughs> Taking inspiration from a talking head's psycho killer-esque theme. The murder following, looming ten steps behind. And this is where we enter the song. The immediate superficial layer and then the darker, more ominous layer beneath that. This song is all about, it's all about this misinterpretation and misdirection. Contextualised to gun violence within America and America's chosen ignorance of it. And it's channeled through Robert, the protagonist of the song. The 21st century cowboy kid. He's the classic rebel, the Christian Slater, the James Dean. He's got a rolled cigarette. He's pushing against authority. He won't tell you his plan. 
He has the magnetism of mystery. And he's weaponized. And his gun is coming for a direct confrontation. But this isn't in the traditional sense. When first writing the song, singer Mark Foster described the gun as a metaphor of cool, the bullet, his ability to strike others with his character, confidence anthem. It's only with with the lyrics this becomes more sinister, exposing a much more violently charged reality. We go from observing Robert as the cool kid to being inside his mind as he plots for murder losing his mind and plotting revenge. He seeks out the rich kids and their pumped-up kids, expensive shoes, deliberately seeking out those privileged enough to have the flashy piece of clothing, perhaps who once bullied him. The metaphor of a gun is swapped for an actual tangible bullet shooting down students. His desperation for power and control makes him all the more frightening taunting people to run, mimicking mind of the school shooter, hurt and angry. We get a snapshot into his damaged psyche. Foster describes Robert as an outcast, part of a cultural epidemic of youth becoming more and more isolated. Still relevant for sure. We even get a snapshot of the family life showing this growing resentment of the absent working father and the frozen dinners. This sense of a despairing or less privileged home has Robert lining his father up and with a quick pull trigger quipping the depraved line, your hairs on fire must have lost your wits, either to himself or his dead father, a sign of his madness and disappointment. This has some real, a lot of real-world references in this. Robert finds a shooter in his dad's closet, similar to real-world incidents as many school shooters with 42% of households in the U.S. having guns. Victims of school shootings can often include parents as victims and that students can often have mental illnesses or have been victims of bullying. All this written to the guitar riffs that almost sound like a jingle. Working in an advertisement company, Forster uses his commercial background to mix this cheerful melody with a darker meaning of run, repeated over and over, the deliberately deceiving and unnerving. And because of this mix, the song is usually misinterpreted. It's laid back and easy, taken for the face value of its musical um musical tones rather than the confronting image of the school shooter that it describes and with a song causing waves mark forster states the hypocrisy as we as an audience approach the song with deliberately ignoring its references to school shooters channels such as mtv are comfortable with screening socially acceptable violence such as jersey shore or teenagers getting pregnant girls getting punched for promos but shy away from something like family values and teen isolation and bullying is referenced especially from the perspective of the perpetrator rather than the victim as cited by forster and this introduces the interesting discourses mark foster creates about the role of art to provoke conversations not just about guns and gun regulations, but also about art itself, where the line is and what should be edited. Its unusual style forces people to have these conversations. This confrontation of values is a really healthy thing for the country. The truth of the matter is that gun violence in the US is epidemic. It's not slowing down and does not need to be talked about by us. 
Seven children and teens being killed with guns in the US on an average day. The trend is towards mass shootings rather than individual. And there were 78 shootings in the last 30 years and 23 in this year alone. The song uses satire to its blackest comedic value as it adopts a persona and exposes the dark reality of shootings through the lyrics within the song, adding the audience without drowning, rather drowning this out with the comfort of poppy backbeats or denial. Because while this, there's a shooting in the US, the country acts shocked, mourns and makes promises. Protest pieces from pumped up kids to the end gun violence youth movement ultimately go ignored or censored in this deliberate attempt to ignore and reject the possibility of there being a problem. Pumped up kicks. Uh, that was Foster the People with Pumped Up Kicks. I know uh, kicks obviously is a reference to you know, in my day, it was Jordan's. But these <laughs> days, you know, I don't know what it is. I'm so out of date. But yeah, I remember it was that time, especially for us. It was a time when it was about, um, apologies for that. It was a time about, you know, when people, when parents bought you really cheap runners, mm. people were really embarrassed. So yeah. it's unreal how he uses those lyrics to become more sinister, to expose a much more violently charged, would never. Exactly. From listening to that song. Exactly. And, and as, um, the Songs of Satire says, that beat, that melody, that sort of advertising melody, which just gets you bopping without actually contextualizing what is happening mm-hmm. in the lyrics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just when it was playing along there, I, I, I felt myself <laughs> doing that exact thing. I, I didn't want to bop because, <laughs> because of Songs of Satire. Just that one moment. But that's exactly what art should do. So make the comfortable uncomfortable and yeah. the comfortable <laughs> and the uncomfortable comfortable. <laughs> so. For sure, for sure. Um, but thanks to Idlewind for giving us another um, satirical view on a 2010 song. We are going to be having Lauren coming into the studio um, soon, but uh, might go to a few announcements and then we'll be back in just a moment. Our next guests um, are from uh, Memo Leaves and the three local women who met through their kids' school. They've launched a petition to extend bereavement leave and they've started a website called Memo Leaves dedicated to the sharing of stories around death and its its impact on the living. Um, I think I mentioned a couple of weeks back that, you know, where I come from, I guess, in the African culture, most African culture, death seems to be celebrated, whereas in, in Western culture, it seems to be something that nobody wants to sort of deal with or talk about. Um, but we've got um, Lauren Martin... Yao and Sam Bladen in the studio to talk to us about Memo Leaves and their campaign. Good morning, ladies. Good morning. Hi, Dean. How are you? Thank uh, you for having us. No, no. Welcome. Welcome. Um, so first and foremost, as I mentioned, you were three local women who met at your kids' school and you've launched this petition. What was the drive? Um, I think, uh, like what you, just, you were just saying about um, grief, how... Um, in many cultures it's celebrated um, or it's acknowledged. Mm. So, you know, within the Jewish community there's ten days or five days, seven days of, yep. um, of grieving More where grieving, people yep. come and talk about death, talk about the person, how they died. Uh, same within the Hindu tradition. Um, and yet we're given two days paid bereavement leave. Mm. 
in mm. our culture. Yeah, mm. that was the sort of driver behind the petition was to um, bring that uh, to people's attention, to make them really aware of um, what their sort of entitlements were at that time. That time's a very vulnerable time for people and they often can't sort of speak up to their um, bosses or to their workplace and say, um, you know, I feel this way or that way because they are struggling with um, just really like lots of things just well, they're in shock. even coming and they're mm. in shock, sadness, mm. anger. Um, that's our sort of motivation behind the petition. But as a group, we came together um, just out of a desire to um, put something out into the community and um, just we just really like hanging out together. <laughs> and that's how it started, yeah. going for coffee and stuff. Um, and we... Um, and Sam said, I have, all, I have some ideas, but um, I don't know how to make them real. <laughs> and I said, well, I can build you a website. Yeah, then and, discovered that yeah. Lauren was a digital media marketing person. <laughs> went, yeah. Oh, that's kind of a good fit. Um, but, yeah, the, I think also, like, you know, I when you have been touched by death, yeah. um, it, it permeates through your whole life. It sits there at some in, on some level and shapes you. And, and we talk about our birth stories. Yeah. Um, we plan our births, um, but we don't talk about our death stories, mm. and we we're just starting to plan our deaths. And so that's really that's really fundamentally yeah. um, where it came from. And, and, and was that through a personal experience? Or, yeah. Well, my dad died when I was 18, and okay. I had quite a lot of death. Yeah. I have quite you know I've experienced quite a lot of friends dying. Yeah. You know, being the age I am, I had yeah. a couple of friends die of AIDS, and um, so. Um, it's touched my life, and I know how it's influenced that. And and in, and so, you know. And I think um, if we can talk talk about it in a way of, um, you know, that it's it's um, it's not a taboo. Mm. Uh, and and that's again brings us back to the petition: is that when we don't. Um, uh, Acknowledge know. that time and yeah. space. Yeah. yeah. And, and you only have literally two days. Mm. And, and so what that does. Um, and this is where talking about it is probably maybe not the number one driver, but the celebration of someone's life. So if you have two days, what I, what I, what I visualise is somebody passes away, the first thing that people do is call an ambulance. Mm. And then once the ambulance comes, you've, that person's gone. Yeah, that's Essentially, right. Essentially, in most cultures, it's time to sit down, make a cup of tea, Spend that six hours, or even if you get the opportunity to dress that person in Absolutely. your own home, it's going to take more than two days for some people to be able to go through that. You yeah. Know? So I, I think you lose that person once you call the ambulance, but that's all we're taught, aren't we? Absolutely. To just get, get yeah. somebody there. And that's, and that's mm. you know, I don't know if you know today is actually Dying to Know Day. I did. Yes, it is yeah. Dying to Know Day so today. Yeah. This is around all educating and talking about death and, and end of life. And, um, and we're, um, you know, there is a movement with death doulas and um, uh, keeping the bodies in um, the home mm. a bit longer, and that helps with the grieving process. Oh, for sure. So for sure. with with the petition, like two days, people are like employers are actually on board yeah. a lot more than yeah. um, we we kind of feel like the national employment standards and the government have to catch up. Yeah. Um, because people will take. Um, 
uh, sick leave and yeah. carers leave if they've got it yeah. they haven't already used it but then they're using that aren't they as, as something separate that's to right. what yeah. your petition is all about that's which right is, and yeah. then people come back to work and they go oh how was your holiday and it's like oh I actually buried my husband yeah you know yeah. Um, and so it creates a stigma it creates this kind of um, a taboo around it so that's kind of what we want to change We and our petition is actually for 10 days bereavement leave mm. which gives two weeks and of course not everyone's going to take that some people want to get back to work and that's that can be a really great structure for them to you know to um, uh, get on with life um, but if they're given those 10 days and we call it bereavement leave yeah. then people are like ah we, we create more death literacy in, yeah. in the workplace yeah. and more 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 uh, I guess you know they talk about workplaces being a team and an environment where you should be happy to go to what what you're trying to then create is a maybe more compassionate society that Absolutely. can be able to tackle those issues. That's really and Yeah, important. and some of the qualitative data, like we've um, got a survey on our, our website now for people who've experienced a bereavement while at work, and some of that feedback has been um, that, that they've um, been able to take time, but then when they come back to work, there's a lot more work that's built up there, so their workload is really heavy. People think once they've taken the leave, like so they've taken their two days bereavement leave and they've come they back, then they're going to... Yep, they're going to be able to move on. And since uh, other people say, well, I came back to work after I had my compassionate leave, etc., but um, three months later um, I, I was a mess. And and that's where that, that that sort of additional twelve weeks extended bereavement leave. Yeah, that's is, is what we're asking you're, you're for asking in the for. petition too. Yeah. And that's that's for extenuating circumstances. So yeah. that would yeah. be signed off by a GP or a psychologist. Yeah, recommended. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Okay. And, and so I mean, you mentioned that a lot of the employers are on board. Where's this feedback coming from? Is it purely just from the surveys on the website or meetings you're having we have, at organisations? Yeah, we have spoken to um, to people who have had good experiences with their employers. So mm-hmm. their employers have made space for them to to leave the um, to leave the workplace for a while and then come back. There's a lot more um, businesses that are thinking about their bereavement leave. Um, for the empl- employee rights, mm-hmm. so they are, are working towards that. Um, next, in the next few weeks, there's a discussion um, that Sam's going to with some um, corporate uh, partners that are interested in um, extending their bereavement yeah. leave and talking yeah. to their. Uh, I guess s- employees or even yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and because it starts there, doesn't it? So when you hear. And I don't want to, I'm not plugging any of these businesses, but if you hear somebody, let's say like maybe BHP or Telstra or one of the big banks getting on board, it starts to shift the narrative. Because we know that the smaller organisations tend to be the first to get on board. That's right. Well, um, you know, uh, I think it's Optus has five days. Okay. Um, So some of them in their, um, in their agreements have Mm. got longer and Facebook. Brought in twenty um, twenty days, twenty days, 20 yeah. days paid bereavement leave just recently mm-hmm. because one of their executives lost her husband yeah. unexpectedly, and that's unfortunately where the change happens. Often mm. is when people have had an experience themselves, because people don't think about bereavement until it happens. No. Well, it's, and and you mentioned that it is it, it, it's hidden. That, that's that's the conversation is hidden, and you know, yeah. like even. You avoid a colleague when you know that they've lost somebody in the workplace. Exactly, and and that's um, another point with um, naming it as bereavement leave. So then people can get together in the coffee room and go, oh, Jane's coming back. 
you know, she lost her yeah. husband. How are we going to, what are we going to talk about? So that, that everyone is um, on board and able to share that mm. um, uh, ideas on how to handle that. Yeah. I just yeah. wanted to uh, mention that um, Groundswell, yeah. who are a Sydney-based um, organisation, uh, have been instrumental in communicating with employers about um, bereavement leave and how they should um, structure their uh, workplaces better. Yep. Uh, and they're um, a, a group that we've been working with as well, um, and they're helping. And they run, they run um, Don't Know Day. Yeah. 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 Okay. And, and, and it's that whole idea, and then it falls into, in organisation speak, change management, you know, which yeah. it is a change that... Yeah. that uh, well, we live in a different times. You know, people talk about their lives being really, really fast. But when somebody experiences a death or bereavement, it slows mm-hmm. down pretty quick. And so we have to all have the skills to be able to work with that person yeah. and work together. And, Dean, I just wanted to add one more thing uh, around um, the bereavement leave. Um, that it's, it's also for... Because if you work part-time... You're, you are entitled to, or, or casually, sorry, if you're casual, which is 24% of the um, uh, population course, at the yeah. moment in Australia, um, you are entitled. only you're entitled to two days, but you don't have any other leave. Mm. So, and so for me, us, for me particularly, that's a real passion of this that I want those 10 days um, available. To, um, to casual employers as well. because, yeah. you know, having to go back to work um, too early, we know that that has really Flow detrimental effects, yeah. effect, effects financially down the track. Mm. 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 And today, as you mentioned, is Dying to Know Day, which uh, pretty much it's all about um, making sure that, you know, you can activate conversations and curiosity and build that death lit- literacy that we've just been talking about yeah. and grow that capacity of individuals, obviously, um, and community groups to take action uh, towards that. Yeah, it's having that conversation with someone about what they want um, to happen yeah. in that event Yeah. and, yeah, making plans, thinking about organ donation mm. uh, and, and having a cup of tea and just talking about the... Uh, sort of fact of it. And, and it's interesting, well, it's not, I hate using that word. Um, uh, when I've been listening to some of this, I think it's one of the funeral homes who, who that's their advertising campaign at the moment. You know, the couple's in there, they're choosing the, the flowers, they're choosing what type of a casket they're going to go in. And it's sort of, it, it's when you hear it, you think, oh, why are they doing that? Mm. But it, that's the reality of life. We're all... Yeah. You talk, we talk about birth stories, great, mm, mm. Yeah. but we're all going that way at some point, whether yeah. it's quicker for some or later for others, that conversation yeah. has mm, to be mm. had at some point. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Okay. And um, I didn't get the website for Dying to Know, I did, I did see that, but you've got a Facebook page uh, forward slash Memo Leaves, you've got a Twitter account, an yep. Instagram account, yep. and, your <laughs> and your website is called Memo, as in M-E-M-O. And leaves yeah. as in L E A V E S dot com. Yeah, it's like the changing leaves. Yeah. And an important note. Yes. <laughs> forward slash bereavement leave. And 
the, the idea really and the campaign is all about asking the federal government to extend bereavement leave under the National Employment Standards to 10 days yeah. from the current two. We, yeah, we are launching it this Friday yes. at Lonergan and Raven Funerals Funeral. in Clifton Saturday. Hill. Sorry, it's Saturday. Saturday. <laughs> 187 it's Saturday, Queens Parade, the 11. Hill. <laughs> 3 o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it's all about um, giving every mm. worker decent leave. So if you are in the area of Clifton Hill, 187 Queens Parade. Or if you're not. And if you're not. <laughs> and we've got yeah. some uh, choir singing, um, yeah. Sue Johnson's choir, and we've got Justin, Justin Sless, comedian. Yeah. And, and you can see I'm still stuck in there not talking about it. I'm like, if you're in the area. Yeah. <laughs> it, this is where it's at. It. Well, we'd like to hear your Get experiences. Yeah, yeah. Well, of, um, we used to own nursing homes, so I've seen yeah. that. Well, and we'd be very interested. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. Well, um, <laughs> thank you very much, um, Sam and Lauren. And we've also got Yael here, who's uh, in the studio. But we really appreciate you coming into 3CR Breakfast to tell yeah. us a little bit about your fantastic initiative and campaign. Yeah, thanks, thanks so much thanks for, for having, having us. us. The 2018 Melbourne Anarchist Amazing, Book Fair right? is on the 11th of August at the Brunswick Town Hall. Stalls, books, um, projects and organisations fighting for a better world here and abroad. Come for the stalls, stay for the workshops. Topics ranging from Indigenous struggles and decolonisation, climate change, anti-racism, unions, feminism, refugees, Anarchy 101 and so much more. Interested in a stall? Email us on info at amelbournebookfair.org that's info at amelbournebookfair.org or message us on our Facebook page Melbourne Anarchist Book Fair 2018 a 3CR supporter Ah, that was Killing Us Softly, Candy Royale and the Free Radicals. <laughs> Well-chosen track, <laughs> like, after that discussion. Uh, amazing. I, I just kind of wanted to say my perspective after having those two women in. Like, um, death's actually a, a, a passion of mine. In, 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 it sounds really strange to say that, but like, I, I think really our inability to kind of like confront this really feeds into anxiety and neurosis and kind of all of these, um, mental illness epidemics that we see. Uh, like all, all over the world, all over through Western culture at least. Mm. Um, and, and it's really interesting to hear your point, Dean, about, um, how different it is in the, in, in your culture. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, you know, I had an unfortunate incident where the woman that raised me, uh, I was, I was at the football, at the soccer World Cup for, I was in South Africa for five weeks and, my grandmother's lived there all her life and I didn't see her for those five weeks because I was following the football. And the <laughs> day after the final finished and I sent everybody home back to Australia, I woke up that morning and she died. And so oh. I was just, you know, that guilt of being in that country, having yeah. flown over there and not seeing her because I was sort of watching the football. But I remember I went in, into the room and I spent mm, probably about four or five hours in there just with her sitting mm. down. She was at home for, for three days, you know, and um, just would go in there and just think and, and cry and yeah. sit and, you know, and, and think about everything that we'd had. And it was, you know, it made it didn't make up for what happened the five weeks prior, but it, it, uh, even now I'm at peace with the fact that we had that time together. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, it's quite interesting. It, 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 open, it, it allows for that closure. So, mm. like, say the things that you felt like you 
you needed to say or you couldn't say mm. while you still have that space there with them. Yeah. Whereas I, I, I know, you know, having, as I said, we had nursing homes and having worked there and seen a lot of, you know, a lot of, of, of death and a lot of um, elderly people just get moved out really quick by the by the, the coroner or the ambulance and then that person's gone and then, you know, like it's just, mm. it's really quick. Yeah. And there is no time for that reflection because once they go to the morgue, you've lost them. Like you can't even dress them yourself. Yeah, incredible. You know, so yeah, it's quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we it's it's a fantastic initiative. Uh, I if I if Will didn't organise this, I probably would never have thought about finding such a campaign. But yeah, yeah. we do get sick leave, we do get annual leave, and and as um, uh, Sam mentioned, then you know people when you take your sick leave, people say, "Oh, how was your holiday?" But they don't really mm. conceptualise, mm-hmm. you know, that you had been uh, in a situation. Yeah, of the depth of the matter. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, we'll go to a few community announcements and then we'll come back with yesterday's news. You're listening to 3CR Radio. So last week, um, Idwin kind of presented an idea um, of yesterday's news. So like just covering topics that had gotten lost over like our constant like cycling of like headlines. So things that are still relevant and still mm. ongoing today, but aren't necessarily um, on the forefront of everybody's mind because the media is not covering it. Out of the public eye, but hardly over. Hey, yeah. hey, I like that. <laughs> they had their moment in the sun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the continuing stories. Obviously, they keep having an effect on us as well. Oh, of course, yeah. of course. Um, so last week, I think you were talking on Australia's progress towards uh, international treaty. Uh, I think it was the Convention of Elimination of All Forms of Discrimination Against Women, which is called CEDAW. Um, and so I think Idawin had mentioned, and all of us, we thought for yesterday's news this week, we would use CEDAW as a springboard to look at Saudi Arabia's ongoing action in women's rights. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the main ones is the, um, I guess, the issue with um, women not being able to drive. So on the 24th of June, women in Saudi Women in Saudi Arabian women, sorry, gained the right to drive um, with the release of licenses. Now, this comes after about 20 years of protests and was widely celebrated um, all over uh, Saudi Arabia. So, aljazeera.com.au, Judith is sort of covering this. um, And what she does is, you know, she was um, talking about what was happening there. Sorry, I've got a bit confused there. She was talking about what was happening with these women. Um, and 20 years of protests is insane when you think about yeah. how long it mm-hmm. is. And, I mean, obviously, they've got their own laws, but 20 years to protest for a licence is a very, very long time. But Absolutely. they got there in mm-hmm. the end, ultimately. Um, and the other thing was um, women who were imprisoned. Um, what wasn't celebrated, reported, 
on or heard of ever again where the women who fought for the, the driving rights were imprisoned and some of them still are. Mm. Um, and some of them were imprisoned in mid-May in a non-disclosed location. Uh, one of them is still awaiting sentences, um, sorry, a sentence for her part in protesting for driving rights. Most of these women have been detained since mid-May this year uh, and whilst reported on at the time, it's been forgotten that these women are still there um, and we know haven't been denied any communication or access to their families or legal representation, they have yet to be charged or referred to trial. Um, if you wish to find out more or interested in more coverage of this, you can go to amnesty.org.au forward slash act now forward slash Saudi release women campaigners. Sending solidarity out to those women Their struggle is our struggle And although we may take it for granted That we're able to drive a car like They're pushing the same frontiers that we're pushing for When we ask for indigenous rights Or we we ask for um, the stop um, Stopping the eco side That's going on It's it, it, We're all intertwined here And so um, they're real bravery And cover, courage on their fronts And thank, thank you for pushing the boundaries Yeah and I think the other thing I forgot to mention was um, You know under Islamic law or the kingdom, there is no uh, obligation, um, you know, to the contradictory terms from the Convention of Human mm. Rights, you know. So they, yeah, like um, if you can go and have a look at that and send your support, it's it's quite strange that they've passed the law, but the women who were part of the protests, even as late as May, are still being detained mm. about it. You know, you would think yeah. because the law has passed, whatever their charges are would sort of be... I mean, we just see time and time again the blatant disregard that a country like Saudi Arabia has on any kind of the human rights conventions. And unfortunately, it just shows you um, the the way that the UN is actually not able to act on any of the guarantors that they get these countries to sign. Um, Like the thing is, we're we're, we're perpetuating this, even if we do it um, not consciously. Like we're allowing Saudi and oil to flood the market, and therefore we're allowing this monarchy to continue. So um, we're so intertwined with the repression of these women that there's no way for us to actually separate ourselves from their struggles. So keep them in your minds when you're driving your car. (laughs) And and as we mentioned, yesterday's news is looking at stories that have had their moment um, of spotlight in the media but are far from over. Um, I guess following stories that the mainstream have forgotten. So feel free to SMS us here on 3CR um, with some ideas. Uh, you can SMS 0488 um to let us know of some other um, yesterday's news. Uh, and we know Saudi Arabia and driving CEDAW and imprisoned prison women was our yesterday's news this Today. week. <laughs> this week. We'll be back. But uh, Layla's first show on Wednesday breakfast, um, how's it been? Oh, so uh, <laughs> I, I've been dreaming of this day for months, so I, I'm, I'm so happy to be here, really. Oh, it's been amazing. It's been really cool. Fantastic, fantastic. And we can't, we don't, um, we can't get hold of Emma at the moment, but we, I thought we might talk to you about emergence. Yes. Which is uh, something that's happening at the anarchist book fair for sure uh it's it's more than that it's for me an entire philosophy um 
but it is starting like I am starting to get my point of view out there in in outlets like here on on breakfast and um, there at the anarchist book fair so I'm going to be running a workshop uh, in the community room one from three to four I'm also hosting a stall Um, I'm selling my entire book collection which is a very 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 big deal for me (laughs) I could imagine (laughs) very emotionally Uh, attached uh. I could imagine. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's good to practice non-attachment to like kind of clear myself out like that. Um, and yeah, so this idea emergence, um, it, what I want to do primarily is kind of like intertwine it with anarchism and anarchist philosophies. Uh, so emergence is, uh, literally the way that we describe, um, music, art, consciousness, it's a way of um, kind of recognizing new properties and patterns from self-organized uh, complex systems. Okay. Yeah. So for me, it kind of if we're able to self-organize as individuals without any kind of hierarchy or authority, I feel like an entire new way of being and becoming will emerge from that. So emergence for me is like the flourishing of the human spirit. It's like what could become if we're able to take control of our own destinies. Mm. Um, and it's, uh, I want to tie it into both the dying to know and uh, the fascism that I was talking about earlier t- uh, this morning. So fascism for me um, is a kind of rotting of the moral fiber. It's like a cancerous kind of um, energy that is attacking the other cells in this kind of, um, in, 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 our, in our life. Yeah. Whereas emergence is the complete opposite of that. It's, it's about the celebration of diversity uh, and the inability to kind of like um, uh, conceptualize the whole as the sum of the parts. So in this mounting crisis that we see, um, where we're having more and more insecurity from um, from from the biosphere in, in terms of like the melting ice caps. We've got um, like global temperatures rising. We've got droughts. We've got forest fires. We've got earthquakes. Like every day, we're kind of experiencing something new on the natural level, mm. um, and this is just going to push us into further and further states of conflict. Um, as resources get scarcer, which is an inevitability because our, our, our yielding crop-wise is just getting um, to smaller and smaller amounts. We've, we've reduced the agricultural kind of uh, pro- productivity on the planet to, uh, to very, 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 very um, low turnovers. Mm. And so as this happens, um, fascism is going to present itself as an opportunity for us to be able to reorganize ourselves on some kind of totalitarian state. So it's going to create this gated community between the haves and the have-nots. Mm. And this mm. kind of like racial division that's been like a, in a fervor um, is just going to mount to even greater points of complexity and intensity. Now, to counteract that is, is to find faith in ourselves and each other. And for me, that comes down to anarchist principles. So anarchy is about mutual aid. It's about solidarity. It's about unity. And it's about uh, autonomous action. So acting on your own accord and your own will. Mm. And so if we're able to inspire people enough to be able to take responsibility for their lives and in the realities that they shape, 
then we can take the energy away from what's now being directed towards kind of division and more towards unity and solidarity. Yeah. And that, to me, is the essence of emergence, which is the way that we can explain life itself. Okay. Yeah, great. So that's, that's amazing. That's yeah. my point of view, and that's and that's what I want to be discussing kind of more in depthly at um, at the okay. Anarchist Book Fair between three and four in c- the community room one. Um, and it, it, and is it going to be sort of like a, an open mic? Situation will people be able to ask questions at the end? Or? Yeah, um, it's it's actually um, I'm I'm really grateful to be given the space that I've been given because there's couches, there's a whiteboard, we can kind of um, do anything in there <laughs> and discuss what I I, I primarily want to talk about is diversity of tactics is about dropping out of society. How how can we do that um, really intensely because. Uh, we're dying at this point in time and, and our society needs us to be able to push for radical change, um, in, in directions that haven't necessarily been sought after as intensely as, um, as it probably should. Um, and you sort of, uh, it's one of those situations, uh, you know, it's a bit like, uh, some people might say, well, how do I get off the wheel? Yeah. When I'm so, especially when you talk about millennials, yes. some of them who might be really, really socially conscious, but the first thing they do when they wake up in the morning is pick up their phone instead yes. of kissing their partner. Hello. Yes, exactly. All, all these little habits and character traits that like have been uh, like absorbed into our millennial generation, they can be broken. They mm. can absolutely be broken. I have so much faith in my generation. Like it is unbelievable how much I think that we are the vanguards of like a new way of existing and relating to one another. And I think we just need to find each other and to just legitimately and logically work out a plan. So um, we're just too disparate at this moment and um, we need to bring all of these kind of activist groups under one banner because we're all pushing for the same thing and um, the threat is real and the threat should not be ignored just like death itself we should meditate on it every day and we should let that infuse us and imbue us to be able to be inspired to push for change the anarchist book fair yeah fantastic i think it's going to be an insightful hopefully you know um the people that come in there would have that sort of that, that open mind to be able to, I yeah, so. yeah. I really hope so. Um, we might go while we wait for Emma to give us a call. Uh, Lost in Science are having a trivia night. Ah, excellent. And our regular listeners will know that Lost in Science follows the 3CR breakfast show on Thursdays. Um, and tomorrow, Thursday breakfast is going to have a huge, huge show. It's one and a half hours of panel discussion about the everyday impacts of the African gangs narrative on community and ultimately connecting this to the bigger issues of systematic racism, um, anti-blackness, colonisation and focusing on some of the incredible initiatives and stories from the African community here. Um, and that is going to be on Thursday breakfast on 855 AM 3CR, or you can listen when you're on your way to work on 3cr.org.au. Um, and there's going to be a huge panel, um, so just just tune in. Uh, you can actually, obviously, also yeah, get more information on Facebook or on Instagram. It's time now to um, get to our next guest. Uh, she is on line one. Um, a couple of days ago, 
well, last week we spoke to the Ethnic Communities Council of Victoria and that was really talking about the interpreter services. And a couple of days ago, the Federation of Ethnic Communities Council of Australia welcomed a government decision to strengthen the security of personal medical records in the My Health Records System which is something that is uh, it's at, the, at a precipice at the moment. You know, you've got the people who are um, people who want to opt out and then you have people who have reasons to stick with it. Um, so to find out a little bit more about FECA's standing, we are joined by the CEO of FECA, Emma Campbell. Good morning, Emma. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for joining myself and Layla on 3CR. That's great. Um, uh, I guess the, the the whole announcement by the Minister to legislate that uh, no health records can be released to anybody without a court order was fantastic news for you guys. Yes, and we had been um, calling for uh, the tightening of the, the re- tightening of the regulations to make sure that no um, that, that no data could be released without um, a court a court order. So we had some concerns um, that the information contained in the My Health record would be used for immigration enforcement um, and determinations. And and there was nothing in the legislation that would prevent the information being used for those purposes. So the introduction um, of legislation that will require a court order um, makes a big difference because it will make it much harder um, for authorities to use the information for those purposes. Okay, so you've taken it um, down even deeper because I guess the whole premise of it is, um, you know, you keep hearing that that whole summary of your key health information is important in case of an emergency room following an accident or if you're unable to talk with healthcare providers being involved in your care, accessing this information, I guess that's the the, the, the view of the pro. But you're sort of thinking, well, you know, there is that underlying subtext and there's no law to protect people from having their records used against them, I guess, if they're refugees or on, on that status? Yeah, so that's, that, that's right. So, so generally, FECA thinks that the My Health record has a lot of benefits for Australians from culturally and linguistically diverse mm. backgrounds. So people who um, have lower proficiency in English yeah. or don't speak English as a first language um, will be supported by the My Health record in communicating with their healthcare providers, for example. Um, older Australians from migrant backgrounds are overrepresented in the over 65 um, population in Australia, um, it's very difficult for for anybody, never mind someone for whom English is a, a second language, to recount all of their medications yeah. and, and so on. Um, and also, people early on in their migration journey as they're finding work and opportunities um, tend to move more often. Um, so if you've got children, and, and even for your own um, health and well-being, uh, having a health record that easily follows you, I think, is of tremendous benefit. Um, but the, the role of so, – so they're the positives, but the role of FECA is to make sure that in government policy, mm. um, Australians of diverse backgrounds are not adversely impacted, yeah. um, and also for us to identify those particular areas – where government policy might um, have a negative impact on on a small minority of the, the population. Uh, and and it, it, it is based on our learnings from other countries, including the UK, that we had these, these concerns. Um, and so it was difficult for us to communicate with our, 
our communities, knowing that there were these positives, um, until we were really reassured um, that the health information would would not be used to the detriment of culturally and linguistically diverse communities. And I think this change to um, firstly uh, requiring a court order to access the information and secondly, knowing that all your information will be deleted if you choose to cancel your My Health record, those two, um, uh, those two decisions, those, those two measures um, make FECA very confident um, in talking to our communities and saying, well, well, look, these are the benefits. But of course, you, the, this is also if you feel for other reasons, for example, broader privacy, which FECA is not an expert in, mm. um, you want to opt out. This is how you opt out and providing, and providing information in language through channels that migrants to, can access. Um, so that they can also choose to opt out for other reasons if they wish. And, and it's interesting that the health minister, Greg Hunt, is trying to convince citizens that their health data will be safe. But um, I, I would like to think I'm a learner person. I still don't know what is, you know, going to be on the My Health record and what shouldn't be there. Yeah. What am I opting in for? What am I opting out for? What are the implications of opting in or opting out? Just So for you, it must be a, a, quite a minefield because, as you said, yeah, there are some positives, but for FECA, you are looking at how, you know, people from ethnic communities can be protected. Yeah. So I think it's important for our communities to understand that FECA reviews the issue of the My Health record from the perspective of our community. Yeah. So any additional risk um, or opportunity that comes from the My Health Record policy. We're not, we're not experts in data privacy, yeah. for example. Or even uh, government policy. Yeah, well, unless it relates specifically to, to our, our community. So what, what, what our job at FECA um, is to do um, is to provide as much information as possible through channels that our constituency are comfortable with and use mm. and in formats that um, they're comfortable using, so, for example, in language, um, so that they can make the best decision. And then FECA will give advice on issues that are specific to the risks and benefits for cold, cold Australians. And so yeah. that's why we're working very hard to communicate with our communities to make sure they know how to opt out if for other reasons such as privacy, um, they or, or uh, they, they don't concerns. feel comfortable in interacting with the My Health record. So it's about letting people make an informed choice. Um, but our role has been to really look at the issues facing cold Australians. Emma, unfortunately, our show's about to finish, but thank you for giving us an update. I do have your links that you've got there um, yes. on your press release, but also obviously from your website. But, you know, as a, as a peak body representing Australians from culturally and linguistic diverse backgrounds, we appreciate you joining us on our Wednesday breakfast. Yeah, and thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Emma. All right, bye-bye. Bye. And that was uh, CEO of FECA, Emma Campbell. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.